Hey guys, this is Ryan Wagner here with Dan Albert. We're going to do a commentary of Henry Armstrong and Roberto Duran. Our friend Miguel uh, requested us to take a look at some of their fights and compare their infighting styles. Uh, first up is Henry Armstrong versus some dude. I have no idea who the fuck these guys are, so Dan, I'll let you pick this up. Yeah, so uh, Henry Armstrong, for those of you who don't know, or maybe you do, whatever. Uh, Henry Armstrong, one of the greatest boxers to have ever lived. Uh, his call to fame is mostly being like the first like three weight world champion, and but more importantly like being a three weight champion at the same time. Here he is challenging for the world's welterweight title, but with the caveat that like he's already like the featherweight champion, and then um, this is I against the uh, lightweight title. The lightweight title he jumped over. I guess I I don't know the full story. Um. But uh, he's going to challenge for it after this one and win it. So good on him. Uh, so this one, he's up against a guy named Barney Ross, another one of the best boxers ever. Uh, Ross, ungodly tough, kind of average power, but like good at basically everything. Ross only had like uh, four losses in like his whole like pro career. I think it was four. Uh, this is actually Ross's last fight. Um, and he's kind of past his best here but uh he's still really really good whereas armstrong like this is armstrong at at or like close to his peak um and mostly this is just going to demonstrate kind of the things uh henry armstrong does i'll also give a quick um trivia this video is actually colorized by a guy named elusive blue whose youtube actually like um colorizes like old footage he has to put a ton of work in, so I hope everyone supports his work and gives credit where credit is due. Because the guy, like, finds this old footage and, like, puts the work in, and it's pretty cool. That's Henry Armstrong? That is Henry Armstrong, yeah. So, other thing about Henry Armstrong, one of the greatest in-fighters of all time, uh, wasn't afraid to, like, use kind of certain tactics that aren't exactly, like, Things that would be, uh, well, unless you like fouling, you know? All infighters are dirty motherfuckers. Exactly. That's part of the fun. But, um, yeah, so the thing about these two fights we're going to show is um, I picked them because not only do they show off the infighting of both guys and lets us kind of work with comparisons, it also, they also become really, really one-sided thrashings where the other guy's corner probably should have thrown in the towel. Because their guy just wasn't going to quit. But, you know, sadism. All right, looks like the fight's about to start now. They're rubbing Armstrong's back, just burping him to get all the gas out. Yeah, we, we still got about 20 more seconds to go. But, uh... Coach is really getting frisky. I... Yeah, so preemptively, I'll start with kind of like some things about Armstrong. Armstrong, um, I, I think Miguel's question also involved like differences in pressure. I think you can call Armstrong like quintessentially a pressure guy. But like Duran wasn't really a pressure guy, though. Duran was like more of a complete kind of boxer. But Armstrong here, it's like you're going to tell right away that he's and RDC all about uses that The crouch leaning over the, the rear hip to get inside. Mm hmm. Yeah, so the start of this fight, like, Armstrong's going to, like, uh, come after Ross right away, and Ross is mostly just going to try to keep him at bay. So I think um, 
Lee Wiley has a great video out there on Armstrong, and it's been a while since I saw it. But the main thing with Armstrong is like baiting attacks with his head because he's crouched and like leaned over, and then he like tries to get inside based upon that. See on the inside there, he has his head pinned to the shoulder, so it's forcing Ross square. Uh, so he's in better position to land to land punches. And when your head's tucked in on the shoulder like that, they can't reach you without creating space first. So he's in a good position to work while Ross is kind of forced upright and square. Mm-hmm. There, when Ross, you see Ross just tried to dip his head into the shoulder and do that. And he took it like Armstrong took a half step back and hit him with a left hook. So he's really aware of like what the other guy's doing on the inside. Yeah, the main, uh, oh yeah. The other thing about this footage uh, is that it it kind of has rapid cuts, so rounds are going to go by pretty fast by the looks of it. it. So if you're watching footage right now and kind of like, oh, what just happened? That's kind of why. That that crouch that he's entering in with makes it really hard for, for Ross to keep him on the outside. Because if he tries to, linear, to intercept linear strikes, like his jab or his straight, uh, Armstrong just kind of goes under them. Mm-hmm. It's a lot harder for Ross to punch down, would you say? For sure. Yeah. So Especially the other thing... Your head naturally offline, leaning over the rear hip like that. Yeah. So the other thing uh, you've probably noticed Ross try is, like, Ross has been trying to uppercut a lot. Uh, Armstrong kind of has some cross-arm guard to, like, anticipate or, like, catch those shots. And Armstrong's then, like, doing a, a really good job fighting the hands here, too. He's pushing... He has his hands on top of Ross's, and he's pushing them down while he's using his head to dig into the shoulder and hide his own head. So he's he's preventing him from getting the punches off, and he's also kind of stripping his guard. Uh, you see this in, in Muay Thai too, like when guys weave their arms in between each other. Usually, the guy uh, on top, the guy who has their arm on top, can elbow, or the dude who has his arm below is kind of blocked. It's a similar thing to what Armstrong is doing there. So the other thing about Armstrong is that he wasn't really like a concussive kind of puncher. He definitely like had some thunder, but he was more about his attrition and constant, constant staying on you. Oh, and he's always hitting that body like and it's always like consistently where like he's smothering returns and then like uses that left hook, usually as a form of a blitz to just close back in and then immediately puts that head underneath. He's like switching head position really nicely between the shoulder uh, to, for defensive responsibility and then putting it in there in the guy's chin so he can take angles and open up both hands for his own offense. Because mm-hmm. like w- one of the things you realize about like infunding especially, the more you watch it, and Ryan, you can correct me if I'm kind of off or being reductionist with this, is um, like putting your head under like the other guys really like hurts their posture, like their base yeah. to like kind of control and it lets you smother and keep working. And so it's like Armstrong only like hits if like he's able to separate or like, otherwise he's constantly attacking that body and kind of turning you while keeping the pressure up. Absolutely. Head position is the number one most important thing for any kind of infighting or clinch situation. Uh, and you can see that when, when he has the dominant head position with his head in the other guy's chin or on the shoulder, he has so much leverage to push them back. Whereas they're forced upright, their stance isn't as stable, they're not as rooted to the ground, they, and they don't have the, the leverage to push him. So he can control the, the ring, push them back to the ropes, and then free up all that space for him to work. Yeah, so uh, one other thing I'll add is kind of one thing I've noticed Armstrong do a lot is like if he's unable to get that head on the shoulder, like he's constantly like trying to position his shoulder between like Ross's like um, kind of 
upper bicep and whatnot to kind of like Ooh, make Ross, Ross landed a nice counterhook there. Yeah. But the other thing is like where Armstrong's open is in like separations and that's why it's pivotal. Like he keeps like pushing you back and putting the ace on the other guy. Does a really good job with his punch selection of moving the guy's head into his stronger punches too. Uh, like he'll take his head off the shoulder for a moment and just throw a little right hand to move the guy into a big left hook. Yeah, a lot of it, um, I, I don't want to call a lot of it crude, but it's kind of like masquerades as like something else. Like it's really like kind of unorthodox with what he does with like the constant like footwork, like a distance. Yeah. Round five already. I wish all boxing matches went by this fast. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, like this footage is like either sped up or like it's cutting out a lot of sections because the rounds still were three minute rounds. So this was a 45 minute beating. And round five is where this like gets way more one sided. Uh, also, Ross trivia was never finished. His career was only dropped once. Those leaving jabs and hooks to close distance are really nice, and he's weaving proactively off them too. So he'll he'll enter with that leaping hook or jab, and then when Ross tries to throw back, exploiting his the the big closing a distance, uh, Armstrong is already dipping under it. Mm-hmm. So the ropes are kind of the worst place to be against Armstrong because he really likes to bowl you up against them, and that's where he can really really put it on you because you can't really turn him away, and he can just work you over. And so that's kind of what Ross has been looking to fight this whole time. And now he's kind of there and well, it's not going to go well for him because that's where Armstrong gets to work. Ross has been trying to get low himself in those clinch exchanges and Armstrong is just going to just breaks and throws harder punches. Like he'll like pin him in place with the jab and throw big uppercuts or body shots. He enters on the hands really well. Um, so, like, one of the, the things about clinching is that you have to, to pay a lot of attention to your entry if you're fighting good fighters. If you just try to storm into the clinch, they're going to frame off and punch you. Whenever mm-hmm. Armstrong is closing distance, he'll get on the lead hand of, what's his face, Barney? And that, that prevents him from framing off or intercepting with a punch, and it allows Armstrong to, to kind of punch on his own initiative. So... Ross's hands are trapped and he can go to work right away. Yeah. So the upper, the other thing about Armstrong is like, he's faking a lot of upper body movement, not just with his head, but kind of from that crouch stance, like it's faking kind of what blitzes he's going to, or hops in that he's going to commit to. And so like Ross is trying to to like push him back and frame with that lead hand. And that's just going to either open him up for that left hook upstairs. That's been closing the gap, or he's just going to, throw like a short little right hook like behind like Ross's lead hand to the body constantly and so Ross isn't really sure which one's coming Armstrong's really square on the inside too and that the crouch uh, and the the weaving head movement allows him to do that so he's not really worried about getting caught with his feet square because his he has his posture down and his head is constantly weaving and bobbing. Mm-hmm. It's really important. Like he has to have like a lot of great conditioning to make that work though. Oh yeah. It's hard on the back too.
He's doing a nice job controlling him with the shoulder too, like opening up his elbow uh, when Ross tries to circle to his left just to, to hold him in place and set up the right hand. Yeah, Ross is trying to pot shot him a little bit more, like kind of touch him in order to like get that distance, but he's not sure what to commit on because that because Armstrong keeps countering either with that hook or like little short right Ooh. hook to the body. This is going bad for Ross. Yeah. He does a really good job mixing up the, the rhythm and the timing on his breaks from the clinch too. Like sometimes he'll break and then punch immediately. Sometimes he'll break and then kind of faint a half step and then go back to the clinch so the guy never really knows what he's going to do. And just the, the natural movement of his stance kind of helps to faint that too. When you're constantly shifting weight between your uh, your rear and lead leg, it's mm -hmm. kind of selling hooks. So you shift your weight to the to the front foot, he's going to be waiting for the left hook. You shift it back, he's going to be waiting for the right hand. So he can kind of play off that too. Get Ross looking for the the right hand when he shifts towards his lead hip, and then throw the leaping mm -hmm. lead hook. Yeah, because yeah, it's, he's not just shifting; like he's often like crossing and stepping between, and it's hard to catch him between that because he's putting his head like right below Ross's head to like break that posture and like keep pushing him back. So it's hard for Ross to kind of like put his weight into those punches at all. You see, he's entering on the hand again. Mm -hmm. He always cups that tricep whenever he comes into the clinch. He's separating the hands there to to throw off Ross's guard and punch up the middle. Now, although Armstrong is beating up Ross a lot here, it, it is still worth noting that like Ross is still one of the best boxers of this era, and it should kind of tell you a lot just how good Armstrong is that he's kind of just sunning him this bad because it's still like he has to like continuously put output in order to prevent Ross from doing anything. It's also Ross is just psychotically tough, so 15 rounds of this is pretty telling that Ross doesn't get stopped. He does this for 15 rounds? Yeah, does he have pillow fists? I don't know. Ooh, that was nice. I really like those leaping lead hooks to close distance. Yeah. Would you say there's a certain trigger for those left hooks, or is it usually more so kind of proactive? Sometimes he's doing it when he catches Ross leaning over his rear hip, so he's open to that. More often, I think he's just fading into it on the lead, though. Like He's constantly showing the, the weaving motion between both hips and that hides that leaping the leaping lead hook or the jab part of it too is that he's he's spending so much time pressuring Ross and he's on him so consistently that when he does get exits they're messy he's not uh when he finds like a little reprieve from the clinch he's not staying in great position to counter he's kind of backing up hastily and then when Armstrong sees that he can immediately like that just leap at him because he's not in position to counter But at first, like, you would say, like, it started out as just responses, but since, like, Armstrong continuously put the pressure on him, it kind of means, like, the responses are dulled and Armstrong can kind of do whatever he wants. I think 
I haven't seen his other fights, but from um, the impression I get here is that he probably throws those strikes quite a bit. Like they seem to be a pretty consistent distance closing mechanism for him, but he was working in more methodically a lot early. And now that uh, Ross is worn out and his triggers are kind of deadened a little bit, he's able to open up more with those leaping strikes. It was nice weaving under the jab, going to the body. Does such a good job hiding his head in those exchanges. Like he'll throw a couple hard punches, and then when Ross is ready to punch back, Armstrong's head will just be on the shoulder, and there's no room. Mm-hmm. It probably means like Armstrong has to like have either like a great sense of where he is on the inside, which probably requires a lot of practice. But it also like kind of means it's really, really important for him that he's very, very aware of where he is relative to the opponent, right? For sure. The great thing about positioning on the inside is that you can really feel your way around a lot of that. Uh, like you have these kinetic points of contact you have your head your your hands uh your shoulders if they're on the other guy and you can use all that to feel where they are and where you need to be so if you if you have like the double bicep control you can break that throw a couple punches just lay your hand on the bicep to figure out where they are and then you know where you need your head needs to be so it's really easy um, compared to like distance striking to know where the other guy is and what you have to to do to put your body in the correct position on the inside. Yeah, so this fight's wrapping up and we're going to be entering Duran soon. What would you say, like, some of the final things we can comment, like, the cruxes of how Armstrong works? It's all about, like, the rhythm of the head, smothering, like, the pressure, the pace, the mix-ups, like, the triggers. Yeah, the big thing for him is pressure, the head position on the inside, and then using that as the head position is kind of a home base where he can he can shift his head position from the shoulder to the head in order to open up more offense. Uh, he can punch and clutch, breaking to create space, throwing a combination, and then going right back to the shoulder uh, and pushing his guy back to where he has the advantage in the ring. Yeah. He also has to have, like, great weight transfer on, like, those hooks to the body downstairs because it's always about, like, attrition. And plus, like... Although he's kind of crouched, like, he's still kind of, he's not, like, directly, like, that close to him. Like, he still kind of has that little space in between. Yeah. So that's kind of why he's important. Like, he smothers or has his head below. Oh, but it also means, like, he kind of has to leap into his shots a lot. So it's important he turns Ross all the time. Yeah. So this one, Zilver and um, Ross lived. He did not fight again Barely. afterwards. Don't blame him. Yikes. Um. Yeah, so Armstrong is now a two-weight world champion, and after this, he goes on to be a three-weight world champion. Good times. Henry Armstrong was pretty terrifying. Yeah, considered one of the best 10 fighters ever. Er, any, yeah, so uh, as one-sided as this one probably looked, the next one's probably even worse. All right, here's the next one. What's this? Roberto Duran versus Davey Moore. I've heard of Roberto Duran. Um, I think I've watched a couple of his fights. If I recall, he didn't really beat anyone great aside from Esteban. Yeah, Esteban de Jesus. But uh, yeah, this is a few years later. Yeah, because we know like guys like Ray Leonard aren't that good, I think. I don't know. 
I've 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 never watched them because I don't do any research. Was, you know, there was some other guy who wasn't very good. Mar Marcelo, Marvin, Ernesto Marcelo, or something. Ernesto Marcel, who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Um, Kyle might have mentioned him a couple times. I, I don't. I, I don't know that none of Duran's opponents were very good. Yeah, so I I would believe the dude on Twitter over Kyle. I I would too. Yeah, never never trust a Brit historian on anything. It's always for the show. That's true. Yeah. So um, Duran, the biggest difference is like Duran wasn't really like a a pressure guy. He was more of what our um one of our fellow staff members, Taylor Higgins calls more of like a complete boxer. And you kind of see that here, but the main things I think that we're looking to describe here are like differences on the inside and how Duran creates like inside exchanges. So immediately his stance is a lot less pressury. Uh, he's way more bladed. He has the shoulder that he can dip behind. He's more upright. So he's not looking to do all that proactive movement on the inside. The way he's getting to the inside at the moment is by using his jab to draw out counters and then ducking under the counters. Yeah, so it's a really feeler jab with Duran. Duran was known like for that feeler jab and then like baiting reactions with feints. Like that that's the main thing that really kills more in this fight, like the feints. And then like as the fight goes on, Duran dulls those responses and then just gets inside and always hits to the body. The jab, what he's doing right now, he's using that jab to control range so he's not letting Moore get to the inside on his own terms. When Moore comes forward, he'll just pop that jab out see, so and Moore has to back up. And then when Duran wants to close distance himself to the inside, he can feint the jab. Uh, he he can feint it and duck right over the lead hip to throw to the body, or he can throw a more committed jab and draw a counter, duck under that. Yeah, so, so I than, think... I, I think one... Arm, go ahead. Yeah, so I think one thing to also note about Duran compared to Armstrong and how they get on the inside. Duran often, I think, used more tools nice. to get on the inside because he was more capable at ranges like Armstrong wasn't. And it's just he wasn't really reliant upon pace unless, like, it benefited him. But um, with Duran, you'll see a lot of the same, like, principles with, like, head positioning, just with, like, different cruxes of, like, what he's doing to get there, but also when he gets there. Yeah, so one thing Duran just did is, like, he often, like, uses his right hand to, like, kind of bridge the gap. I think Lee Wiley once called it, like, uh, his killing shift, because what he'll often do is, like, use throwaways if he's pressuring a guy to, like, bridge that gap and then get on the inside. Like, shift off the right hand and just keep touching and touching until he gets there. But the thing is, Duran, like uh, Armstrong, will often, like, have his head on that lead shoulder. But unlike Armstrong, like, he's usually a lot closer because one thing Duran goes for, whereas Armstrong kind of like fought hands from like down low, Duran kind of looks for overhooks. And that's one thing you'll like see immediately. Like he's always about controlling the arms below, like upstairs, so he can have kind of like a more of a chest to chest kind of thing. Duran's getting caught a bit with uppercuts on the inside here when he doesn't have the, the head position on the shoulder because he doesn't have that side to side head movement that um, Armstrong does. Ooh, that was really nice. He's using that jab really well to draw out counters, and then he just—he doesn't even need to see the counter coming. He just throws the jab out there, assumes Moore's going to counter, and ducks under it proactively. Yeah, see, like even when he, the counter doesn't come, the jab still works to close distance. 
one thing I, I think we don't emphasize enough is like utilities of like jabs. They um they aren't just like meant to be an offensive tool to like as a bridge builder, like they can be used as like a manipulation tool. Well, and it's like with Durant's jab, like you can still tell like it's like an offensive thing for him to get work done, but it's also like being used for like to control distance here and especially to like control like Moore's responses to him. Yeah, like that. It's not threatening. It's oh, that was really nice. It's not actively hurting him, but he's he's just popping it into his face whenever mm-hmm. Moore comes close. So he has to worry about parrying it, and he can't comfortably close distance on his own terms. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, there's the counters. No way. So the other thing about Duran is, like, he really committed to that infight only, like, after he kind of figured out, like, how to counter you at range with the responses. And so from here on, like, he kind of starts to uh, bridge the gap with those body work. He's peeling the hands down in a similar way to how Armstrong did. Yeah. Well, one thing you don't see him do as much is, like, he doesn't focus on, like, turning the other guy as much. Like, he's mostly, like willing to, like, move his head to the other's shoulder and, like, kind of back out of range instead. And that sometimes gets caught, like, right there. But sometimes, like, he'll do, like, little things like that. Because the difference between, like, him and Armstrong is, like, he's not afraid to, like, be at that outside range. He's focused a lot more on counters on the inside, too. Whereas Armstrong more wanted to shut down your offense and implement his own. You wanted to play with your defensive reactions. Uh, but you put your back right on the fence or on the the ropes where you can't do anything. Duran almost kind of wants you to throw back. Like you see, when he has his head right on the other guy's head, there's space there, so he's kind of baiting him to throw. And then when he does, he ducks under and counters. Yeah, he's also like he has like the upper part of his chest a lot closer to the other guy on the inside. Would you say that forces him to get caught a lot more, or would you say it's just kind of... I think it's just more the the difference in their stances, because Armstrong's really bent over. He always wants his head low, so he can uh, come up from a place of leverage, whereas Duran wants to get behind his lead shoulder, so he's more focused on uh, like side-to-side movement of the trunk and slipping over his rear hip than doing the... like kind of weaving uh, head low style that Armstrong was. Mm-hmm. So I think it's mainly just mechanical differences in their stance. Mm-hmm. Neither one's just inherently better or more ideal than the other. It's mostly just for different situations or like yeah. kind of archetypes. Okay. Yeah, because I think like uh, one premise going into this is like Duran and Armstrong are considered two of the best in fighters of all time. And there's often like discourse about which one's better but that isn't exactly fair because they were both looking to do kind of somewhat similar but also very very different things as fighters yeah at that level it's really oh. hard to be Ooh, that was really nice it's difficult to set norms around that kind of stuff like how are you going to say the the way duran does it is better than the way uh, armstrong does it because they're like you said they're looking for different things they have different styles where their infighting needs to be modified slightly for that and part of it is just like body oh. types too yeah so duran's like counters have kind of made more like think he has to show up and use high guards and every time like, the moment more does a high guard duran hits him to the body and that just lets him get inside duran does a really good job tying up the arms uh he'll take like the He'll put his hand inside their forearm oh. and kind of sweep it out or use overhooks. 
Yeah, like the underhook there, then he weaves his hand in, and he uses that to push him back to the ropes. Yeah. So one of the main tactics, if you watch Duran's career, that he'll often use is, again, like Armstrong, he kind of puts his head on the shoulder, but he'll also like look to control like the other guy's arm opposite of his head so they can't really hit him back. And that makes it easy for him to like switch to the different shoulder if the other guy like uses their left hook like Moore just did. And and it just allows him to keep like mixing in things. The other thing Duran does a lot more than Armstrong is, is like he's willing to like throw short like little uppercuts and hooks on the inside upstairs a lot more. Like Armstrong is kind of more of a body shot guy when he's on the inside. But Duran, like there's a clear focus to like land short shots upstairs whole he uses those underhooks and collar ties to control transitions really well too like if the guy is trying to uh trying to turn him or if he wants to break he'll slide in an underhook or a collar tie so he can do that safely yeah and so like moore's trying to like hit him and there we go again so at least like four times this round like he's drawn like moore's like guard upstairs and there it is again and that's just letting him hit that body more and more and more he doesn't like the the head the uh, head in the chin position that Armstrong was using a lot as much. He's mainly sticking it either right on the shoulder or pulling it back so they're kind of head to head. And I think that's like I was saying before because he wants more to throw back at him. He's more focused on countering on the inside and he wants to give you those false opportunities so he can punish, especially to the body. Like he's landing a lot cleaner than Armstrong was, and that's because he's able to catch more when he's throwing committed punches. Yeah, and it's less about pace for Duran. It's more about like control and punishing and according to that. And as a consequence, uh, with the the more open style and not constantly pinning the head, he's a little bit more vulnerable on the inside than Armstrong too. Whereas conversely, Armstrong is a lot more vulnerable on his entries than Duran is. Because those entries by Duran are slick as hell. More, more tries to counter the jab and he just vanishes beneath him. So Moore's trying not to bite on those feints anymore, and he's trying to, like, press the initiative a little bit more. Or, like, trying to get something going here. And so he's kind of, like, forcing Duran to, like, have to do a little bit more or waiting. But the moment you see Moore commits, Duran's going to try to punish it and then and draw more responses. He's like, you can see what Moore is trying to do, and it's having some success, but it's not actually landing anything. He's creating situations that could be beneficial to him, but Duran's defense is too good. Then Duran got the underhook, worked him back to the to the ropes. Yeah. Yeah, like at distance and up close, like Duran prioritizes like his safety e most of the time. So it's again like always reactive. So it's like, oh, I can't afford to counter this. Well, I'll make sure I'm separate before that happens. And then like he's also willing to smother too on the inside. Like, especially if the guy, like, steps in like Moore just did a second ago. Oh. <clears throat> he always fights underhooks, too. He doesn't let guys take underhooks on him, which is something you kind of rarely see from boxers, weirdly. 
they'll they'll just let guys control their arms. But he's always trying to pummel back in. Yeah, like I I think the other thing like we I we might have already said this is on the inside like Duran is a lot more like like in different positions according like what the guy is doing than Armstrong. Whereas Armstrong's kind of focused on like one thing consistently. Duran yep. just kind of adjusts accordingly to what's kind of happening. Duran's defense is amazing. His weight transfer between his hips is so smooth, and he has like an infinite number of layers. He doesn't get himself out of position. He just keeps his movements are so small too. Like, look at that. He barely has to move to slip the punch entirely. Yeah, he just projects his shoulder in front of his face a little bit, rotates his trunk, uh, and then no matter how many times you follow up, he has a next move that he can go to that won't put him out of position. Yeah. So, like, one thing he's trying to do a little differently, more, is, like, he's trying to, like, turn his shoulder, and so, like, Duran kind of matches that so more can't hit him. And just, like, constantly aware of, like, what he's doing on the inside. And according to, like, what the only guy... <clears throat> Sorry, other guy is doing. Now he's starting to build off the job a little bit more, and he's using Moore's reaction to that to to get in on the inside and start working there. Uh, like when he covers up or ducks the right hand, um, Duran can freely step in and start yeah. working on the inside. It's yeah. one of the... Making the other guy move their head is always a good key to enter the clinch or the inside. You'll see it a lot in Muay Thai where somebody slips a punch and then immediately that's like a cue for their opponent to grab their head, start kneeing them. Then when Moore does find situations like that where he might be able to create something, Duran does a really good job using the, the underhooks and the collar ties to, to prevent them from getting off clean. Yeah, Moore's not sure what to do at distance, partially because of those counters, but on the inside, like that's the worst place that he can be. Yeah. It's like he knows what he wants to do, but then Duran just ties him up when he tries it. Yeah. Or it just and, slips everything. And so, yeah, like a second ago is like a fine example. So at distance, you're just going to try to wait on Durant. Now I'll just hit you. Yeah, sometimes like right there, Durant will like bait the shots and more will hesitate. And then and I'll just hit you to the body. Yeah. That defense on the inside is ridiculous. Like, he's not, like, he'll just turn his shoulder sometimes just to make it only a little bit harder to hit him. And then, like, he does things like that just because he knows where his head needs to be. His rhythm is super unpredictable, too. Like, if you watch the way Moore's throwing punches, you can kind of see when they're coming. Like, even behind a screen, you know when he's about to throw a punch. With Duran, his rhythm is a lot less samey. He's varying the timing. He's mixing up little choppy punches with big power punches to the body. Uh, 
and he's throwing on half beats. So like, uh, he'll start slipping be- between his hip and then just immediately throw a little arm punch without loading it. And when you get caught by that, it doesn't really hurt, but it kind of like surprises you for a moment. And then he can reposition himself or land something bigger. Yeah. So w- one thing uh, we forgot to mention is uh, so context where this is in Durant's career. This is about 82, 83. He, this is not wow, Durant's. Is that like, old? What? He's 82, 83. I didn't know he fought. No, that no, old. no, no. This is 1982, 83. Ah, years. okay. Yeah. So this is, uh, I think it's light middleweight, which is like 152, 154, I, can't I think. Be fucked with boxing divisions. They have like eight middleweights <laughs> light middleweight, <laughs> junior middleweight, junior, senior middleweight. Fuck, I don't know. Yeah. No, um, yeah, Duran's natural weight class is like 135. This is like 20. This is like three weight classes up. Uh, so like in a lower weight classes like lightweight, you can kind of see like his natural like speed come through because he's a lot more like energetic and aggressive. But as these bigger weight classes go on, like it's more important that he's like more proactive in like forcing those reactions like up here because more still kind of the bigger guy than he is. I really like how he's using his forearm to wedge oh. inside the opponent's forearm. Uh, so, like, whenever they get underhooks, he'll just slide his forearm in and pry them out so he can continue hitting. He does such a good job of incorporating his defensive motions into, like, the natural motion of his punches, too. So he'll, like, throw a left hook and then just keep going with that and roll over his shoulder when yeah. the other guy tries to counter. Yeah, you see it, like, every second, too. Like, even when he's actually, like, caught clean for once on, like, breaks or, like, a distance, like, he's never, like, compromising, like, any of the position he has at all. And That's then he just what I was talking about, the like half-beat punches. Like, Moore wound up for a big left hook, and Duran oh. just slotted a little right hand inside of it. And that's part of being a good inside fighter is that you can feel that stuff. Like, he, he can feel Moore's weight loading up for that left hook, and he knew to just, like, exactly like that. Just throw a short little hook inside of it. The way he fights on the inside encourages you to throw back at him a lot too because he spends a lot of time in front of the guy with his hands down and it looks like he's there to be hit, but he's not really. Yeah, like, um, and he's, and even then, like, his reflexes is still, like, really, really crazy in how, yeah. like, he can dodge, like, combinations. Like, Ray Leonard is one of the fastest fighters I've ever seen. And, like, there, there are sequences where he'll dodge, like, 10 punch combinations from Ray Leonard on the inside, just because, even at, like, not, even when his head's not even under Leonard's, just because he knows where Leonard's going to throw. It's absolutely crazy. This is where this fight gets really uncomfortable, by the way, if it wasn't already. Like, the other thing is, like, even if you try to manipulate distance against Duran, like, because a second ago, Moore just tried to, like, offbeat his jab like, try to touch or, like, double jab, like, Duran never, like, compromises his face. He just moves his head where he needs to. Yeah, that's part of having such efficient defensive motions. Uh, like, the way Moore responds to his feints, he he makes bigger movements and gets himself out of position. 
if your defensive motions are super tight and efficient, then even if you react to a feint, you're barely doing anything. You're yeah. just like moving your shoulder a little bit. Yeah. Like the thing with like once again going back to that difference with Armstrong, like the thing is Armstrong was all is about putting that pace and putting a hundred percent effort, but that like requires a lot different than what Duran does. Like Duran requires like certain defensive awareness, but like those more like subtle kind of things. And that's like on the different spectrum of like difficult tasks. Yeah, he's a lot more, um, Duran is a lot more responsive there, whereas Armstrong is working off of kind of rote drilling a little bit more than Duran. Whereas his defense isn't really dictated as much by what his opponent does. He's just going to repeat his head movement patterns, his footwork patterns, and it kind of naturally is geared towards making the miss and letting him cover distance, whereas Duran is specifically drawing out punches from you and looking to counter them. Yeah, like... Armstrong does a lot of things like technically like he'll collapse his stance a lot with Duran. You don't really see that unless like there's kind of a purpose. Like sometimes Duran will stick his chin out, but like usually he's not really like it kind of creates like an illusion for the other guy with Armstrong. Oof, that was so nice. Just created a little bit of distance on the inside when Moore was loading up just enough to yeah. smack with a big left. Hook. <laughs> yeah, so Moore starting Ooh. to break down. And really, really bad now. Bro, those body shots. He's not going to win this fight. No. Yeah. Frankly, it's about at this point where the ref probably should have stopped it. But hey, we got another like two minutes of this. Yikes. And it gets way more uncomfortable. And then this Ooh. happens. His face. Yeah, probably should have been stopped here. And then the next... And then they let him out for a look happy round. to be there. His right yeah. eye is, like, closed. Yeah. Letting this guy enter the lexicon of incredibly sadistic refs. They didn't let this go another round, did they? Yeah, they did. <laughs> the fuck? Ooh. The cor- corner in. God, that's... Yeah, it's like he draws the responses down and then he just punishes you. Like with Duran, the other thing is like it's never like a singular thing. Like unless it's always like on top of something else. Like so if you throw at him like it's, oh, I'll make sure I slip, but I'll also counter. Oh, I use like a throwaway shot to set up something else. Like there's always like a setup in between for something His else. offense is better connected to his defense than maybe any boxer I've ever seen. Yeah. Like he's... He's, like, kind of known as a brawler, but that, like, doesn't do, like, service to him. He's always, like, doing little things on top of other things, and it's why he can compete in basically almost every kind of fight he's given. Except against Tommy Hearns. Except against Tommy Hearns, because Tommy Hearns is kind of a cheat code opponent. Oh... Yeah, so Durant, this is where Durant kicks the pace up, like where the counters on the outside and like transitions into that infighting really tears him up. So you kind of get to see that. But on the other hand, you're seeing a guy get sadistically tortured by the ref. That was vicious. Like he draws the high guard and then just slams it. Because the other oh, thing God. about Durant is like um, Durant also was always a huge hitter, even up to like 160. Oh, he's beating yeah, they, the piss out of him. Yeah. Moore was not the same after this, and I think 
we all understand why. Yeah, you can kind of tell like Duran and has kind of lessened off like the whole like defensive triggers earlier just because he's beating him up. But no point now. Yeah, but he's still like doing like defense. He's still controlling inside the forearms and everything. Yeah. Oh, like that was cool. Like he used Moore's frame against him to just hit like a counter over it. Dude, he's barely standing up. Ref, what are you doing? Corner, what are you doing? Ref, what he are you looks doing? like dead on his feet. Bro. Just look at his face. He obviously does oh, not want to be there. Yeah. He is like barely conscious. Yeah. Oh, there's the towel. The corner finally threw it. Oh my god. Why did they throw in the towel? He was just he had Duran right where he wanted him. He was about <laughs> to launch true. a comeback. That's Still true. Four more rounds. Wait, was this a fifteen round fight? Uh no, I think it was scheduled for twelve. He still had four more rounds. What were they doing? Yeah. We should have gotten Yamasaki in there and just like... What was the ref who threw like a towel back out once? I always forget this. <laughs> there was a ref who threw a towel out? Yeah, there was like a towel what? thrown in and then the ref throws it back out. I don't did remember he, who it was. Did he like call the fight and then throw it out or was he just like... No, no, no. no. He just let it keep going. I don't what remember. What the fuck? It was... I don't... I'll figure it out later, but that was... That was what? something. Yeah. Um, Does he not know what towels are for? I guess. Though the what funny the part f- is the other guy did wage a comeback. Oh my god. It was it was pretty Wait, I think I know what it was, but it's kind of irrelevant. What do you oh. do as a coach if you throw in the fucking towel and the ref doesn't stop the goddamn fight? I don't know. That's the... Just like jump the barricade and be like, what the fuck are you doing? D- disqualify my guy. That's insane. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's the end of those two fights. Uh... Just to recap, like, main points, just uh, Duran and Armstrong, two of the best fighters ever. Even though Duran definitely didn't beat anyone good, he was still, I think, good. I don't know. Oh, um, Main things to, like, review with their infighting is kind of like different priorities. I think we've talked about this a lot at length. Ryan, do you want to take that? Yeah. Uh, the main thing with Armstrong is he's very proactive in everything he does, in his head movement, in his positioning on the inside, um, and in his offense, too. He he's It seems like his game is geared towards removing his opponent's options and completely shutting down what they want to do, uh, given I've watched one fight of his, but the impression I got. Uh, with his head positioning on the inside, he's either on the shoulder, completely looking to remove their offensive options, uh, and not give him the space to throw back or he's on the he has his head pinned inside the in the chin where he's pushing them back controlling them uh standing them upright so they can't get a good base to throw so he's all about kind of removing uh his opponent's opportunities to do anything whereas duran is more about exploiting what they're doing uh he's using the the drawing jab on the outside to set up his entries looking for his opponent to try and counter them so he can use that as a trigger to duck under, hit the body, or enter the clinch. Uh, On the inside, his positioning is more open. He kind of, I think, wants you to throw back at him so he can duck under that and counter. Uh, He landed amazing body shot counters on Moore when Moore was throwing, where Armstrong didn't have those those big openings, but he could create a more consistent swarm and pace with his offense. Uh, and Duran was landing the cleaner head punches as well because 
Armstrong had to work around a very defensive Ross by his own design. He was intentionally putting Ross on the defensive and forcing him to basically defend the whole fight without being able to consistently attack. Whereas Duran would like, he would pull back when he, when he had his head on the shoulder, he'd pull back. So they were head to head because he wants more to throw that big right hand at him. And then he can slip, slip to the other side um, to Moore's right shoulder while throwing his own right hand and land those clean counters. Yeah, I think uh, ultimately if you just wanted like a short version of that, like um, again, like Ryan said, Armstrong's like all about those proactive things and he's more like offensive, like all about overwhelming. Durant is more like methodical and situational, but it's also reactive. But both of them have like very similar principles with like control on the inside, just different priorities. For sure. And it's important to mention when we talk about Duran working more reactively, he's not like waiting on his opponent's initiative at all. Everything that he's reacting to is something that he is setting up intentionally. Um, so with his head position, he's he's putting his head in a position where he knows what you're going to try to throw. If he has his head pinned to your left shoulder where you can't hit him with anything, and then he, he pulls back and goes head to head, he knows you're either going to try to hit him with a big left hook or the right hand, and he's ready to to slip that. When he's jabbing on the outside, he's he's not just waiting for you to do a thing. He's using the jab to intentionally force you to throw a certain counter. He wants you to throw that right hand over the top so he can duck it and counter to the body or get inside. Uh, so everything that he's reacting to is something that he's intentionally drawing out himself. So the initiative is all on his side. Which is really the key to be a good reactive fighter. You need to find a way to force the opponent to do the kind of things that you want to react to and exploit. I think we've covered it. Um, yeah, two of the best boxers of all time and really, really accomplished in fighters for a reason. Um, thank you all for listening. Ryan, do you have any final comments? Nope, I'm good. How about you, Dan? No, I'm good. Just hope you all enjoyed. Awesome. We had Talk fun. To you guys watching. Later. See ya.